Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Now it's time to turn the page and look ahead to the AFC Championship game that involves the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Highly touted as the number one team in the NFL, of course the best team in the AFC, and one of the toughest places to play in all of football at M&T Bank Stadium. Of course, we know this will be the afternoon game kicking off at 2 p.m. on CBS. Ravens right now are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total at 45-and-a-half. It'll lead you into the Lions and the Niners, which will kick off at 5.30 on Fox. I know for a lot of us, we're still getting over the hangover of the Chiefs and Bills game, how exhilarating it was, how exciting it was, uh, how Chiefs fans got to relish in Bills fans' misery once again. Uh, got to stomp on the grave of yet another failed season in Buffalo. But now you got to turn the page. And after getting a win like that, surely it gives you confidence going in to take on a team that uh, maybe doesn't have the same type of pressure as Buffalo, but it's up there. Uh, I would you know, copy-paste what I said last week at the fact that the Chiefs go into Baltimore without any pressure which made them play very well against Buffalo. It looked like that team knew, hey, we're not expected to win. We're in a tough environment, but what if we win? Uh, What does that do to our opponent? What does that do for us, for that matter? I think the same thing goes for this upcoming matchup. And I love the fact that everybody in the country, outside of Kansas and Missouri, likely, are rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think the NFL can take another Super Bowl that involves the Kansas City Chiefs and not in a season like this. I, I hate to correct you. I hate to correct you, but I will say you missed you missed a group of, of, Cincinnati? Pe- of people who are rooting for the Chiefs, and that would be the Swifties. The Swifties, there we go. And that's a large portion, not only right? of America. right. Large portion of the world. Right. So, I mean, there are people out there rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> That's that, true. But I I don't like to mention that. I don't like to talk about it a whole lot. I, I'm not a really big fan of seeing her after every touchdown, let alone not just yeah, not just a Travis Kelsey touchdown, yeah. but after the Pacheco touchdown, mm-hmm. we got a nice shot of, of Taylor Don't need Swift. it. No, I'm, I'm with you. But I, I just, I just want to... If we're gonna do this show, we need to be we need to be <laughs> as, open as close, and transparent. Yeah, we need to be close, you know, to the, to the truth. And the truth is, there will be a group of people out there rooting for the Chiefs that you know may not be here in Kansas City that might, only care about one player, right? So, <laughs> so and I and I say that tongue in cheek. So I'm not, you know, but for the most part, you are absolutely correct. You know, it, it is funny at times to hear people underestimate include i've done it at times myself how large that group is so yeah there will be a lot of (laughs) chiefs fans that may not care about the outcome of the game as long as travis kelsey plays well but i also am with you a little bit of a side sidebar here look i i don't 
like the fact that she's shown after every single touchdown. I will say this, CBS and Fox know they'll get ratings from that. And for her sake, uh, it's not like she's doing anything different. She's just wildly popular. And, you know, she's just cheering in the in the suite for her boyfriend, and she's televised a lot. So I think it's more so on the production crew than anything, but they know it's about ratings. Uh, there's nothing I don't think you can really do about it. But for the, the point at hand here, oh, man, uh, NFL fan bases are sick of the Chiefs. They hate the Chiefs. Right. I think the hate has gone to a new level. And just to add on that, I think a lot of people are in our camp that aren't Chiefs fans that don't like seeing that in their football games when they're watching mm-hmm. football. And so they're rooting against yes. that. Yes, they I think more than anything, the NFL world wanted Buffalo, and not just for Buffalo going through uh, torturous, torturous losses before, but they wanted to see the Chiefs lose at the hands of the Buffalo Absolutely. Bills. Absolutely. I mean, the Chiefs are the bad guys now. Very much They're the, the villain. Guys. They are the villain. And I never thought that fans here in Kansas City uh, wouldn't like being the villain. I envied New England for years of how much hatred – Pure, venomous hatred there was for Tom Brady in New England. And I think the fan base played a part in that, right? If you've been to Boston, if you've met a Patriots fan, I know a couple in my life, it's a very prideful fan base. Uh, They can be nasty at times. But you would be lying to yourself if you said the Chiefs fan base is the most nice and welcoming fan base in the NFL. They're not. Uh, and I think that any NFL team that experiences success like that, you're bound to get cocky. You're bound to throw it in other teams' faces. It's why all of a sudden this rivalry between the Chiefs and Bengals happen and the Chiefs and Bills happen. Imagine telling that to a Chiefs fan a decade ago, that you would hate the Bills and Bengals more than the Raiders or the Broncos. Maybe you're still old school and you hate the true rival a little bit more I just don't think you care that much about a team that's not playing in January. That, that's the way I, I, I still take. hate Denver a lot. I hate Denver a lot too. It's just been that, a while. Like, I think that's childhood trauma for me. Yes, and like, I, I, I'm the John Elway era, mm-hmm. and, and like I learned my first curse words because of my father <laughs> cursing at John Elway, and so I, I don't, I don't think there'll ever be a team that I dislike more than the the, the Broncos, mm-hmm. and I mean, but to your point, it's like. What harm do they do to you? Like they're not they're even never in, they're not in the in the conversation. You know, you, and it did the vitriol for the Patriots did rise, especially you know twenty twenty eighteen nineteen season. Yep. You know that that was a, a, a harsh wound, the D Ford offsides. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I mean they were the villain. You know, and then Brady left, and they're kind of like, did, did you really hate the Patriots that much when did they you were, hate Brady? Yeah. Or Belichick. Right. I mean, it's like when they played towards the end of the season, it's like, were you really like, oh, man, I Mm. hope they just kill this? It's like, we just (laughs) need to get this win and get out of, you know, Gillette Stadium. Yeah. It never never felt like it was the same hatred for New England. And that likely will be the case whenever Patrick Mahomes is done playing in Kansas City, which hopefully that day doesn't come for 15 years. Uh, who knows what the future has in store, though? That's just the way it goes in the NFL, though. You, you know, think about it. I, a, lot of, a lot of people outside of the AFC North hated Pittsburgh for years. Uh, Big Ben, A.B., Le'Veon Bell. Uh, before that, Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu. You may have liked watching the players play, but we all know success brings hatred. And Patrick Mahomes had about, what, 
three games in his career where he was beloved by the rest of the NFL. Then when he got talked about too much, hated. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I think before he really started catching Kelsey, I think he was seen as a very underrated and good tight end. Then he gets compared to Gronk. And then that brings all the Patriots fans out saying, oh, Kelsey will never be Gronk. And that debate continues today. I just love doing segments like this because uh, it gets to push my narrative of being this villain, right? I have no issue whatsoever with other NFL teams, even if it's like Cincinnati fans who hate Baltimore just as much as Kansas City. No issue with them taking the side of Baltimore because you look on paper here, Lamar is a very easy quarterback to root for. Let's all be honest here. Lamar is easy to root for. Harbaugh is easy to root for. It's a franchise that, since Flacco left, has been really good, but haven't reached the pinnacle yet. And Kansas City's done it twice. They, uh, by a lot of people, don't need it. They don't need another Super Bowl. But here we are, and they're going to have another chance. And I think that's the fear I love the Chiefs instilling in people. Like, if they win on Sunday afternoon, it'll ruin everybody's next two weeks, except if you're a Chiefs fan or a Swifty fan, for that matter. It will ruin everybody's day on Sunday if they win it. Like, it'll even take away the the love if the Lions beat the Niners. It'll have Lions fans that are excited, but there's going to be a large chunk of NFL fans going, uh, you know, I want to be happy for Detroit, but damn, Kansas City's in the Super Bowl again. That's the pure hatred that the Chiefs have built, and I it, and and it's shifted though. I mean, do yeah. you remember you know the first Super Bowl? Like mm-hmm. it, it seemed like everybody was rooting for the Chiefs. Yeah, the first time they've been there in fifty years, and, and mm-hmm. every Mahomes, what a great story! Look at this kid, you know, son of a major league baseball player, mm-hmm. and look at his Andy arm. Andy Reid too. Yeah, Andy Reid never won a Super Bowl. It seemed like. Everybody yes. was rooting for the Chiefs fan. You know, Paul Rudd and, you know, Rob Riggle and all mm-hmm. all these, you know, famous actors that were Chiefs fans. And it's like every – it felt like as a Chiefs fan, it's like everybody was on your side. And then it, it slowly kind of shifted. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, now that it's it's completely done a 180, mm-hmm. you know, and, and nobody wants to see the Chiefs win. No, no. And, and, that's, and that's, that's the nature of of, of – being the champion. It is. And we like New England, I mean, after the second one, I think if you get two in five years, people are sick of you because it's also the media exposure. And it's like when the when the Patriots won their first one against the Rams, it mm. seemed like everybody, oh, this Tom yes. Brady, what a story he Great comes story. in. Oh, Belichick. Replaces, yeah, replaces Bledsoe, and man, what a the kid, and it's, I'm sick of the yeah. Rams, the Rams already have theirs, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's hilarious how it works like that, but it's it's great, you know, taking the media hat off and being the fan, it's great to be, because it, that's all you really ever wanted. Yeah. Right? It, it's it to is. to be them. That's why, that's why people dislike them so much, because there's, there's envy, there's real vitriol mm-hmm. there. And it's, every fan base would tell you, like... It's it's easy to be the Lions fan right now. It's easy to be the Lions fan that you know everybody's rooting for you, patting you on the back. And even if they lose to the Niners, so be it. Hey, we got to see great Lions football this year. Like, they, by far and away, are the most beloved team left. Uh, there's going to be a large chunk that are rooting against the Niners. But there's not that same hatred for the Niners, right? They're, they're a lot of likable players on the team. And I would also argue this. The Chiefs do have 
Very likable guy. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, if you ask, ask the average NFL fan and you heard his story, do you root for this guy? A hundred times over. But Kelsey is a guy that even though he's got this personality, now his brother Jason, I love the podcast, seems very down to earth. He's a fun guy. Uh, he's has great sportsmanship, you know. You know, they caught a, a little piece of him congratulating Allen on a great year, and people still tried to spin it. Like he said, I can't believe we made it here. And there were people out there saying, look at him, say, I can't believe you made it here, Josh Allen. Like, he's disrespecting. Like, that's the the level of hate there is right now. Uh, and there's nothing, really, that these players are doing differently. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the most hated quarterback in the NFL, and everybody – is looking for that reason for him to fall off. Uh, that's why I thought when he went off on officials, it was the worst look that Mahomes ever had because the fans had already built up in their minds, right, that the Chiefs get all the calls. Now that he's complaining about a call that was correct, looks really bad. So the other parts of his game, you know, the charities, uh, being very respectful to his opponents, you know, not being uh, that much of a trash talker, I mean, he has the clip with Max Crosby, but even both him and Max Crosby, like, we both respect each other. That's why we're talking trash. Like, he's just going to be the most hated because he's the most successful right now. There are other guys around the league that are still trying to chase him, and that's what makes this game so fun. That's what makes being a Chiefs fan fun right now. I think that, you know, here locally, uh, the closest thing to it is... KU basketball fans, you love being the villain. You know that every single game, nobody's rooting for you. When they win a national championship, nobody's excited except for KU fans. Now, you've got the national analysts and, and broadcasters go, man, I love watching this KU team play. I love Bill Self. But there's a large chunk of America that hates him. And once you settle into being a villain, it's so much more enjoyable. Like, I enjoyed watching the Chiefs and Bills more because I knew if the Chiefs won, you can be as villainous as possible. I see the clip of Chris Jones flipping off the crowd. I say lean into it. I see Chiefs fans talking trash to Bills fans on the sideline. You won. You've got every right to act how you want to. I really think so. Because let's all be honest. There's nothing the Chiefs can do to make them likable. There's nothing. I'm sorry. There is zero things they could do. They could win in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. They could trail the Ravens 20 to nothing, come back and win 21 to 20 in a heroic way, unbelievable football game, and it still will make the entire world hate them because they've done it again. When you lean into being the villain, know you are the outcast, You've got what nobody else does, or at least among the young, great quarterbacks. Then you kind of know you're untouchable. And you need to stop trying to be this likable bunch. Like, who would have thought Andy Reid would coach a team that's the most hated in the NFL by wide margins? I don't even know at this point who's number two. Seriously, who? if you could tell me right now who's the second most team in the NFL – I could tell you how big that gap is between the Chiefs and number two. Cowboys. Just because Cowboys people. Cowboys because the brand. Right. Because the brand. Because, because of Jerry brand. Jones. Yes. It, and and it, <laughs> it you know, goes back to their dynasty. Yes. You know, and they're, they're trying to get back there. But, you know, no, like most people don't like the Cowboys unless you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh, but see, 
and I know a lot of Cowboys fans, and the ones that lean into knowing they're hated and stop trying to spin it as, oh, why does everybody hate us? You know, we're just winning games. There's no, we have very likable guys. No, uh, you need to stop trying that because all of the hate and venom comes from fans that don't have what you have. Baltimore, you know, despite you know beating the Niners, what is that now? A decade plus ago, eleven years ago, uh, it was the Harbaugh Super Bowl. No, Joe Flacco, the blackout game where the lights went out in the stadium. Outside of that, you know, Baltimore's fallen short a lot. 2012. 2012, so 12 years ago, actually. You know, it's it's just a very fun spot to be in, in my opinion. And what's even better is that if the Chiefs lose, of course, it'll be a very somber Monday. Season's over. You're not going to be playing in the Super Bowl. It just will be comical to me. Everybody trying to dunk on the Chiefs as if they didn't just lose to the number one seed on the road in the AFC Championship. You take your losses, right? You don't make excuses for it. But do you see what's set up right now as a Chiefs fan? This would be equivalent, in my opinion, to losing in the Final Four to a one seed, a really good team. That's the Or the college football playoffs. You lose to, this year would have been Alabama. Right, let's say Michigan would have lost to Alabama, or it's equivalent of Alabama losing to Michigan, right? Because Michigan hadn't really gotten to that point. Alabama had. I mean, are you going to look back two years from now and go, "God, that was an awful loss for Alabama"? Not really. A weird play call at the end, but it kind of was the right play call. Because you the, will say that in the Saban's career, though. That's yeah, weird. it's like that's that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. but by definition, not a terrible loss. No, like even if the Chiefs would have lost to Buffalo, you don't say it's a terrible loss. If they would have lost to Miami. At home at Arrowhead, yeah, bad loss. Bad loss. Uh, that's a very fitting way to end the year based off how it all went. It just feels great, though, to say, I'm not expected to win, but what if? What if? And you can sense how much turmoil that'll cause in the NFL. Fans just do not want this. There's going to be those you know, over-the-top fans that say they're boycotting the NFL. I'm not watching anymore because the Chiefs always get there. Oh, they're getting there because it's in the script and all that. It, The insanity comes from that because the Chiefs are doing what hasn't been done since the Patriots dynasty. And that's where it kind of becomes comical to you. The Chiefs get there again. Four Super Bowls. Since Patrick Mahomes took over as the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, there are going to be quarterbacks that live and die in this league and never get to one or win one. Like, isn't it crazy to think, as good as the Bengals are, Joe Burrow might have played in his only Super Bowl? You never know. That's why it's so important to capitalize. And if it's not the Chiefs this year, if they don't win the Super Bowl, if it's Baltimore, if it's Brock Purdy, you know, you can celebrate that one Super Bowl championship. You're still going to be another behind Patrick Mahomes. And that's where if Mahomes does it again this year and wins three, nobody in his era is going to match that. It's just not going to happen. It's why you have to take into account how unbelievable this stretch has been. I will say, though, if Lamar Jackson goes out and beats. Yes, he'll have a chance. Yeah, I mean, he, and he goes on to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are two guys with two MVPs, and he's only one one notch behind. He would become them. the rival, I think. Right, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you you look at what Lamar 
Jackson has to gain mm-hmm. in this matchup. It's it's way more than than Pat. Like if the Chiefs go into Baltimore and win this game, yeah, like that's just another notch in Mahomes' belt. That's mm-hmm. just another you know story of the lore, yeah. right? But if Lamar Jackson wins this game and beats the Chiefs and then goes on to the Super Bowl and then wins, just say hypothetically wins that Super Bowl, yeah. Well, now he's on Mahomes' level. Mm-hmm. He has two two MVPs. He's got a Super Bowl and he's only one Super Bowl behind and. And he has a playoff win against Mahomes. Yep. Which Mahomes doesn't have that. He he is entering, and this is Lamar, uh, this is the most important game of his life right now. Uh, goes without question. I know it's the next because then the Super Bowl, if he does beat Mahomes, is the biggest game of his right. life. Because that turns that turns him into a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. I mean, he wins the Super Bowl. He's a first ballot Hall mm-hmm. of Famer. And it, unarguably. Undoubtedly, yeah. And I think with... This game, though, what's different, and I will say, yes, if he gets to the Super Bowl, that becomes the biggest game of his career. But you're facing the villain. And what sounds better five years from now, beating Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl or beating Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl? That could be up for debate. And There's people that go, bar none, you win a Super Bowl, that's more impressive than anything. To me, though, this would kind of be more impressive. You have to slay the king. You have to slay the king to get where you want to be. And Shannon Sharp yesterday said it best. This is how it had to be for Lamar. This is the matchup he needed. I don't think it would have had that same feel if he played Josh Allen and beat Josh Allen or Tua. Right? I don't think it would have had the same ring to it. You beat the reigning champs and Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. That's what's different. And even though I used this comparison last week, I'm going to use it again because it doesn't matter. This game has a very, very similar feel to the 2019 AFC Championship game that Chiefs fans remember all too well, the offsides game, New England and Kansas City and Arrowhead. The talk all week long was even though the Patriots had the number one defense, it was they have not seen an offense like Kansas City operating like they had. Even though those teams played back in, I think, week four, week five, and the Chiefs hung 38 points and lost. Like, the talk all week was, oh, this is it for Brady. This is when the torch is passed to Mahomes. He's going to knock out Brady. That's going to be the last time Brady ever gets that close. Brady beats him, wins the Super Bowl over Jared Goff. Not just using that comparison because Goff's on the other side now, and he's with the Lions and uh, could get to the Super Bowl over Brock Purdy. To me, though, this just has that very same feel. I already saw two people yesterday, national pundits, Colin Coward being one, saying he would not be shocked if Baltimore beats Kansas City badly. There was another guy, I'm blanking on his name, national uh, sports talk radio guy, and he was more so going one step further than that. He said he wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore scored 70. Uh, The Chiefs haven't seen a team like this, a defense like this. I get it, right? This is... I think the best team the Chiefs have faced That's all year long. So. It is funny, and it's funny how some people do have jobs in, <laughs> in national sports media saying right. takes like that. But again, it's clicks. We know sure. what it's like now. If we came on here and shock said shock. outlandish, outlandish stuff, yeah, but shock shocks. We would get a lot of clicks, a lot of views. If we just said controversial stuff all the time, we all know this game is going to be close. We know this game is going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. Um, it just feels like this is the last stand for the NFL. This is the last stand for people that hate the Chiefs. Uh, And it's a glorious feeling to have that Lamar Jackson 
and this great Ravens team is the final thing standing in front of Patrick Mahomes and just stomping on all of his competition. And I mean that for the AFC. You know, the NFC, Patrick Mahomes has lost to a guy that's no longer playing in Tom Brady, but Jimmy Garoppolo is still playing, beat him in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts still playing, beat him in the Super Bowl. He's 2-1 and one in Super Bowls. And I do believe, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, if he beats Lamar Jackson on Sunday, the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. I just don't see a world in which the Lions or that Niners team are going to beat Kansas City. I think whoever wins this game yes. is going to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a, a great example. Um, and, again, you said another notch in Patrick Mahomes' belt. This does, for you know, Marvel fans out there, feel like the Thanos Infinity Stone gauntlet, uh, just collecting everything. At this point, it kind of feels like one of the last few stones he needs would have beaten Allen three times. He's beaten Burrow. He's beaten Lamar. He's beaten Trevor Lawrence. He's beaten Tua. Maybe C.J. Stroud is the next one he needs to accomplish? Well, I I think when he, if, if he gets a third, I think he's no longer, no longer chasing anybody that's playing today. Mm -hmm. Right now he, now he's chasing you know, he he ties Aikman with the third and yes. jumps over Aikman. He's chasing Joe Montana. Yep. He's chasing, you, you know, the GOAT, Tom Brady, which will be interesting because and why I think Tom Brady will always be the greatest over Patrick Mahomes, even if Mahomes puts up seven, yeah. is because he's got those two wins over him. He does. Right? He stopped him mm-hmm. single-handedly. Well, I shouldn't say that because football the team game. Mm-hmm. But head-to-head quarterback matchups. He stopped him twice from winning a Super Bowl now. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Like, I think if the Chiefs win in 2019, I think the Chiefs go on and win, and beat the Rams yeah. and beat Goff, right? And then, you know, the Tampa Bay game. You know, I, that's that's two legitimate shots at, at, at trophies, mm-hmm. at Lombardi trophies that Brady, Brady prevented, Brady prevented and, and added them to his arsenal. And so I don't think you can ever really overcome that. I, I mean, look – the eye test, I think we've seen Patrick Mahomes do things on the football field and revolutionize the position more than we've ever seen anybody. Yeah. Um, withstanding Lamar Jackson's a different cat, mm-hmm. right? And he's doing he's doing similar things. Um, but I think at that point in time, when he gets his third, he's not long. He's no longer. He's separating himself. Yes. From he's the greatest of his era. Yeah. Now he's chasing quarterbacks from other eras. And I, I actually did see a clip yesterday. It was the the AFC championship game, right? It was the Brady Manning one in Indianapolis where Peyton won the shootout. And I remember Joe Buck on this call, which it feels very similar and comparable to this game on Sunday. It was Manning's game-winning drive. And before it started, he said, this is monumental. This is huge for Manning. For Manning, because Brady had already done it. Now, Brady was the guy that already had the MVPs, the Super Bowl rings. And Manning though he could be decorated with MVPs, and he was throughout his career, it was the ring and it was who he had to beat to go through there. Very, very similar to what we're going to see on Sunday between Lamar and Mahomes. You know, I have, I've talked up Allen and Mahomes, talked up Burrow and Mahomes before. Jake is exactly right, that if Lamar beats him on Sunday, that is the rivalry. Two MVPs to two MVPs, one Super Bowl ring to two Super Bowl rings. Lamar wouldn't be as far behind as you think 
because we both think if Baltimore or Kansas City goes on to win, they're winning the Super Bowl over the NFC team. That's just uh, what I believe it to be. Because when it comes down to it, when it boils down to it, to win the big game, what do you need? You need the better quarterback. And these two quarterbacks are better than both of the guys on the NFC side. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out throughout this week, if there's any trash talk that's thrown around. But back to the point at hand, lean into being the villain. Even though Lamar is an easy-to-root-for guy, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs should have no issue and won't be sending any sympathy letters to Lamar if they crush the Ravens' hopes and dreams and rip their heart out and eat it in front of them like they did against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll continue some NFL Conference Championship talk on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Some pretty interesting numbers about the Chiefs and Bills and their ratings. Unbelievable numbers turned in over on CBS. Historic. Not really that much of a shock, to be honest with you. The highest rated divisional game in NFL history. That's what this team does. Uh, They are the new New England Patriots. Uh, Back when the Patriots had their dynasty, it really didn't matter who they were playing. It just mattered that the Patriots were there. Now you get the Chiefs and the Bills, the rivalry. Huge numbers. And the Chiefs, let's be honest, they're more than just a football team. They're a spectacle. A lot of that comes from Travis Kelsey, dating one of the most popular people in the world. You know, he's also hosted SNL. That brings in another crowd. He's been on reality TV. He's got a podcast with his brother. The outreach is pretty big. They are a recognizable team where uh, Jake and I know for years the Chiefs had basically zero recognizable players to the outside world, not just the football world. I mean, before this... Who was the most popular player? It was Jamal Charles, but even then, a short amount of time in the NFL. Then who? You know, you had Derek Johnson. Did he really have that star status outside of the NFL world? You know, Eric Beria, I think, really gripped the nation because of what he overcame. But this is different. This is Tyreek Hill. If you go back a little bit further, I mean, Tony Gonzalez was. Yes. I mean, he was he was a little bit Hollywood, and mm-hmm. you know, him playing in the NBA summer league and, yes. and that stuff. Um, but you know, yeah, that 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 era was. You know, T. Gons was the, the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, Derek Thomas before that, but uh, mm-hmm. really after Tony Gonzalez, there's no, I guess star power beyond mm-hmm. the game of football, you know. And, and now you see, you know, Tony Gonzalez doing doing, you know, NFL network and, and, yeah. and but but there there really hasn't been anybody since, you know, Tony Gonzalez, really. And yeah, no, I think it's it's a hard hard status to reach. Uh Travis Kelsey's done it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has done it. Uh before Tyreek Hill left, I thought he had done it. Uh, a very widely popular player. 
Um, and I'm kind of reaching here, but Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, uh, very popular. They just they had a lot of recognizable players, and that happens when you win a lot of games. You're in the playoffs all the time, and when not everybody's playing on Sundays anymore, they're going to be tuning into your game. It's just a lot different of personalities and uh, status and popularity between these two teams on Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs, they've got some Hollywood guys. Baltimore, there's going to be a lot of guys that maybe you've never heard of before. And that's not a bad thing. They're a damn good football team. Like Odell Beckham Jr. might be the most recognizable name outside of Lamar Jackson. They've got a lot of well-balanced guys. Uh, Mark Andrews likely going to play in this game. Zay Flowers. But even like Zay Flowers, he's football popular. right? That's the difference here. A Judavian Clowney, football popular. Yeah, that's just how it rolls in the NFL. And that's what makes Baltimore, by the way, very likable. I think to a lot of NFL fans, a very likable football team. Lamar's chasing his first ring. Uh, people love Zay Flowers. They love that defense. They love John Harbaugh. Hate the Chiefs. And I know we discussed that for about 30 minutes in the opening segment. It, The Chiefs, though, they're needed. They're a necessity. They're the lifeblood of the oxygen of the NFL. Whether you love them or hate them, the ratings show. You'll watch. You will watch. And you can be the the pouty person and say, if the Chiefs win, I'm boycotting the Super Bowl. I don't want to see that again. People will watch. People will watch if it's Chiefs and Niners. They'll watch if it's Chiefs and Lions. It does not matter. Chiefs and Lions would be huge ratings, I believe. And for the Niners, huge ratings because California as well, big market team. And the Chiefs, the villain, the most hated team. Uh, That is what is at stake here. Now, Baltimore would generate huge ratings as well because of Lamar Jackson. It's just fun. It's fun to know that they are what everybody strives for, and they are what everybody wants to watch, whether you love or hate them. You will either tune in to root for them or you will tune in to watch their demise. Uh, We'll get to find out on Sunday, 2 p.m., between the Chiefs and the Ravens on CBS. The other game, though, I wanted to touch on a little bit of the early parts of the week, Lions and the Niners. First question I want to ask to you, Jake, is about this Lions team. How impressed with this run have you been so far in the playoffs? Playoffs alone. Beating the Rams and Stafford, and then beating Baker and the Bucks both games at home. Has it impressed you enough where you are going to take them to not just roll, but you know, comfortably win in San Fran? Or is the San Fran team who, let's be honest, looked weak as hell against Green Bay, are they going to bounce back and stomp on this Cinderella story? Um, how impressed am I with them? Look, the, the cards played out really nice for them. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of things fall in, in place for them. Um, and they, they've taken full advantage of it, meaning, you know, the Packers going in into Dallas and rolling the Cowboys and, and giving them the second game at home, the divisional round game yeah. at home against the Buccaneers, where if, you know, they would have had to travel on the road it, it being, you know, they would have had to travel. Well, I'm trying to think how it would have played out. They'd have traveled to Dallas, right? I think so. The Buccaneers would have gone. The, the Buccaneers, Buccaneers would have gone to. They would have gone to uh, San Fran. San Fran, and they would have had to go and to then Dallas. And the Cowboys. Yes. Yeah, so they, so they saved themselves a trip 
to Dallas, uh, and they got to host a lesser team out of the two. You know, if you're looking at last weekend's matchups, you know, I would have rather played the Buccaneers, and they were the you know they were the lower of the two seeds, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I, I'm still very impressed, very impressed, especially that game against the Rams. I mean that that was an all time game. I mean they were going against a a Super Bowl winning coach and a Super Bowl winning quarterback, um, and that game impressed me quite a bit, just in terms of what they were. You know, they they won in a shootout. And and so last weekend, not quite as much, just because. Look, I, that game was in question, and and look, the the Buccaneers are a gritty team, and that's a good, pretty good defense. And Baker Mayfield, although when it counted, he threw an interception at the end of the game. That, yep. that you, but you give the credit also to that that Lions defense, Hutchinson in his face all day long, and then getting the actual turnover to end the game. Um, and I do give them a real shot, a really good shot of going into uh, San Fran and, and pulling up the upset. I think it's a seven-point line right now in favor of the 49ers. That's absurd, by right. the way. I would take all seven of those points. Yeah. Now, I, I think it's going to be a closer game. I think what I, I I saw last weekend in the Packers-Niners game is that something that had been kind of you know, brought to my attention watching so closely. Look, I didn't watch a whole lot of 49ers football games outside of the red zone, right? And so you don't really – when you see the red zone, you mostly see the Niners' offense. Yeah. Um, but their secondary got exposed. And, and, look, not having Debo Samuel is huge. That is mm-hmm. a different 49ers team without Debo Samuel. When they had their struggles early in the season, is with without their left tackle and without Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's not able to go, which it's looking like it's not very likely, um, and we'll find out more this week on his injury, but I give them a real a real good chance to go in there and upset the Niners, especially since you know you look at how dangerous and the weapons Laporta and St. Brown and Gibbs, like there's weapons that they can utilize to expose that secondary of the 49ers. So I think it's going to be a great – I think both these games are going to be fantastic. Uh, I think they're both going to be close games. Um, And, you know, we're not predicting it yet. You know, I I still like to digest. You know, I like to see where the injuries are later in the week. Um, But I wouldn't be be shocked one bit if the Lions went into – uh, Levi Stadium and beat off, beat the Niners. You know, I I, I think it's a realistic possibility. And, and to full circle answer your question, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive because you, you've seen the the maturation of this Lions team from a three thirteen and one team to just missing the playoffs last year at eight and nine, and then being a real hot team, a real you know a sexy pick. Uh, Coming into this offseason, coming into this year, and then you see them come in and knock off the defending champions in week one. So, yeah, I, I, I think I've been impressed with, with what, you know, Dan Campbell's done there. He's got all those guys rowing in the same direction, you know, us against the world kind of mentality. You know, they've taken on the, the basically the image of their coach and, and they're buying in. And so, yeah, it's impressive to see that. And it's, Look, they they haven't had success. You know, the last time they've been in an NFC Championship game was 1991, which is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, 30 plus years ago. So I, I 
I, I'm kind of rooting for the Lions. I think most people are. But either way, you look at if the Chiefs were to go and knock off the Ravens, it's like what a great story either way. 49ers, they get the revenge mm-hmm. from the you know the first Super Bowl the Chiefs won. Shanahan, you know, back at Reed. Or you have a, a team that's, you know, never won a Super Bowl going for their first and, the, you know, Jared Goff making it back, taking his second team to yeah. a Super Bowl, which is rare air. And he was kind of I, – I love the Jared Goff story because the Lions were, I think, kind of getting him as, as a throw-in part. Like when they gave up Matt Stafford – I mean, the Rams were like, yeah, we'll move on from Goff. We're not going to get much from him anymore. It's like, oh, now the Lions are stuck with Goff. Well, and they're like, bit. well, we have to have somebody to play quarterback. He felt like a stopgap guy yeah, to me. Absolutely. What is uh, really funny to me, though, is when you look at these two quarterbacks, I-, I think the large part of America would take Goff over Brock Purdy in a heartbeat. The hilarious thing to me, though, because we talk about Brock Purdy being so limited, right? Uh, he's Mr. Relevant. Goff was a 1 1 pick. And, you know, Brock Purdy's a checkdown guy. He's got all these weapons around him. Here's the comparisons on the season between both these quarterbacks. Goff is averaging 270.5 yards a game. Brock Purdy, 266.6. Goff has a 68% completion percentage. Brock Purdy, 68.5. Goff has 33 touchdowns on the season. Brock Purdy's got 32. Goff's got 12 picks on the year. Purdy's got 11. And you could say I'm cherry-picking stats because there's a lot more you have to dive into, you know, yards per attempt. Um, you know, it feels like Goff throws the ball down the field a little bit more. Uh, Purdy likes to, you know, dump it off to Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. It's just funny, though, that we completely disregard Brock Purdy for the quarterback that he is and act like Goff is putting up all these numbers without much help. I mean, Goff's got Gibbs and Montgomery. He's got Amon Ross St. Brown. He's got Sam Laporta. And no, I don't think that that's equal to Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk, but it's not far off. I think Amon Ross St. Brown's the best wide receiver over anybody the Niners have. Uh, Laporta and Kittle of late have been very comparable. And yes, C-Mac's damn good, but... It's not far behind with the duo of David Montgomery, who's got 14 touchdowns on the year, and Jameer Gibbs, who of late has shown such explosiveness. Like, Goff, to me, is not interchangeable with Purdy. I just think you have to respect Purdy a little bit in this game, even though everybody wants to tear him down of the four-pick game against Baltimore. He's such a system quarterback. I think Goff plays a little bit into the system as well. He's got a lot of weapons around him, and I I do think both these guys, if they're in a much lesser uh, talented a much more uh, conservative offense, they're probably not very good quarterbacks. But that's what I think makes this game so good is storylines, number one. But two, I think both these quarterbacks have the same issues and kind of the same strengths. There was this talk all week long of, well, Purdy in bad weather is going to be a bad quarterback because of that Baltimore game. It was raining. He had the three picks, I think, in the first half. It was really ugly. I would say, though, not many quarterbacks can play perfectly in bad weather. I'm just not going to, you know, simply debate this game or pick the winner of this game on quarterback play alone. Because Brock Purdy can also be very dangerous when just orchestrating within this offense. And also another factor here, the Lions do not have a good defense. They're 23rd in scoring. They can't stop everybody out there, which is a bad thing for them against the Niners. 
It's a bad thing against either the Chiefs or the Ravens if they do make it to the Super Bowl. Going to be fascinating, though, to see how it plays out because I do think these teams are a lot more similar than people think. And I also wouldn't read too much into the Niners barely beating the seventh seed in the Packers. Packers were damn good at the end of the year. I mean, they hang, hung nearly 50 in Dallas against the Cowboys. That deserves some praise there. And you can go, oh, well, the Packers would have won if Anders Carlson didn't miss the kick. It's part of the game. That's you got to make kicks, all right? You can't say shoulda, woulda, coulda for missed kicks. Brock Purdy still had to go down the field and orchestrate a game-winning drive, and he did that, which is why they are playing this game at home against the Lions team who is on the verge of history. But that game will follow the Chiefs and the Ravens, which begins at 2. This one will kick off at 5.30 on Fox. We'll take our final break of the show. When we come back, Kansas bounced back with a win over Cincinnati. But do I think there's a lot of red flags with this team? I'll tell you next on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. The Kansas Jayhawks won on Big Monday. Believe that pushed Bill Self's record to 35-0 and at home on Big Mondays. Is that right? I think that's the stat, or maybe it's 35-0 and overall. I know that he's fared very well on Big Monday. But they take down a very... Very physical and pesky Cincinnati team, 74-69. to They bounce back after losing to a six-win West Virginia team on Saturday. Johnny Furphy with a career high in points, 23, missed only one shot, and also had 11 boards, which was great to see after his bad performance on the glass against the Mountaineers. Kevin McCuller gave Kansas 20 K.J. Adams gave them 11, Dickinson 10. He got in foul trouble, so didn't get the double-double, only 10-6. and six. Dwan Harris, 8 points, 8 assists, but 5 turnovers and shot 30% from the floor. Bill Self, 34-0 and 0 at home. On at big home. Monday. So is the, I would imagine he's played more than 34 big Monday games in his career. So 21-16 on the road. 21-16 on the road, 34-0 and 0 at home. Uh, this Cincinnati team, though, you know, don't get it twisted just because they're unranked. Dude. You need to you need to really take into account how many good teams in the Big Twelve there are this year. Uh, they're thirteen and six now. They've only played ranked opponents since conference play began. They beat BYU, who's been ridiculous this year. They beat them in Provo by eleven. They then lost to Texas, who was top twenty five. They lost on the road barely to Baylor. They beat TCU at home. They barely lost to Oklahoma at home, and they barely lose to Kansas. That, that is a really good NCAA tournament team, and they're going to be a tough out for anybody that plays them in Big 12 play. But the point in hand is, do I think there are red flags with this Kansas team? Uh, absolutely. I think there are a lot of flaws on this team that I'm not sold. As much as you can trust Bill Self and how they always get better in February, I'm not sold that this team gets astronomically better. I think they are going to live and die with their starting five. You are going to have a game where somebody off the bench plays well. Nicholas Timberlake played really well against West Virginia, scored in double figures, but they lose to a six-win basketball team. There's going to be times where Parker Brown, uh, who was great against Missouri, when the Tigers came to Lawrence, you're going to have a game like that where he plays pretty well, very Mitch Lightfoot-esque. There's also going to be times like last night where the bench is a disaster, doesn't give you anything. Two points off the bench last night. Two points. And I believe they came in the final 10 seconds yes. when Marco Jackson at two Correct. free throws. Correct. 
I mean, just a non-factor. Absolute non-factor. Cincinnati, I think, had 30 bench points, if not more, or right around it. That's how you're going to pull off big-time wins. I mean, the Jayhawks go to Ames and take on Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum. Going to be a very tough matchup, as we always know it is uh, when you travel to Iowa to take on the Cyclones in Big 12 play. I mean, last year, Kansas got their brains bashed in by the Cyclones there. Couldn't score. Had one of their lowest offensive outputs of the season. This team, I think, is much better offensively. They've got much more of a post presence. But defensively right now, it's a bit of a struggle. It really is. Um, Dewan Harris is in a little bit of a rut. I like that he's shooting the ball more. He's going to need to. You can't be uh, this passing point guard that doesn't even threaten teams with your shot. Because at that point, you're a dud. It's four on five. You're going to have that big game, though, where Dewan Harris plays really well, and he's going to give you all the confidence in the world. And it's not all doom and gloom right now. Kansas is 16-3. and they got a really fun, difficult part of their schedule coming up, but they're going to have to go through it. And you're going to see just how good they really are. Uh, no champion is decided in the first couple weeks of January. This, to me, is when Kansas usually plays their worst ball of the season. Uh, they play well in non-con. They'll have that one weird loss. Then they're going to go into January, a weird loss or two on the road. They're going to have probably a couple more just based off their schedule. I bet, to make a prediction right now, they either walk into Big 12, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City at 25-6 and six or 26-5. and five. Uh, That would be my best guess right now. I I think the winner of this conference loses about four to five games, and Kansas right now is at two with losses to UCF and West Virginia on the road. But we know if West Virginia can beat Kansas, anybody can beat anybody in this conference. The teams that are thriving right now, Tech and Kansas State, there's some really tough games on the docket. If Kansas State goes to Ames to take on Iowa State tomorrow night at 8 p.m., and tonight Texas Tech will be in Norman against the top 15 Oklahoma team. You never know with this league. Uh, but I do think that this team has got some problems, and I'm just not sold right now they're going to be fixed. I'm not sold this bench is going to get a ton better, which was the issue last year. We saw with the National Championship squad in 2022, they got bench production. Remy Martin came on of late. Is that going to be Elmarco Jackson? Is that going to be Nicholas Timberlake? Remains to be seen, because right now, they're living and dying by their starting five. McCuller, Dickinson, Adams, Harris, and Johnny Furphy, a 17-year-old freshman who looks to be one of the best players on the team right now. They'll be back in action on Saturday against Iowa State. That'll do it for today's episode of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I am your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll be off tomorrow and Thursday. Got a doctor and dentist appointment, but we'll be back on Friday talking all things Chiefs and Ravens and a little bit of college basketball. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City. What you say?